Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Square One. A podcast where we take our guests back to square one, where they first started their business, so that you can learn from their successes and failures. Brought to you by Isaiah and Malcolm with Omni Home Services. Welcome back to the Square One Podcast. Today we have Chris Wood. Chris is owner in Be Caffeinated and a few of their other sister companies. Chris, can you tell us a little bit about your role and the companies that you're involved with? Yeah. So I like to tell people that I'm the guy in charge of the boring stuff, um, <laughs> any paperwork, payroll, HR, etc. But yeah, so Be Caffeinated, I'm kind of that role. Uh, we also have Hive Think, which is business consulting. I'm more on the admin and creative side there. Then we have Morning B, which I was supposed to be the main bagel guy. And then I uh, <laughs> tore my ACL into meniscus. So then our head baker immediately became in charge of all of that. And then we have New Wave in which uh, I'm more of at this point, just on the support staff because we have a head roaster who knows all the stuff and we're training up a team to kind of take over there. So yeah. That's awesome. So involved in a lot of different things. Tell us a little bit about what life looked like leading up to that. Yeah. So I got my undergrad in entrepreneurship. Uh, I started off as a polymer science major, which is advanced chemistry and got through all the calculuses and organic chemistry. And I was like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> um, I don't want to be in a lab. So then I changed to business and never looked back. Um, I ended up getting a graduate assistantship and got my master's in business administration. And the only reason I did is because they paid for it. But it turned out to be an awesome experience. I worked for something called the Southern Entrepreneurship Program and learned a ton about economics, entrepreneurship, taught a ton of students around Mississippi about it. Um, and that kind of set on fire a flame in me for Opportunity Gap and just fighting against things that shouldn't be a thing. Uh, and so I graduated and was ready to face the world and uh, ended up working at the prestigious McDonald's <laughs> as their only guy that wanted to be front of house. Um, nice. Yeah. I like talking to people and they're like, shouldn't you be grilling the burgers? I was like, I want to talk to people. <laughs> they thought that was bizarre. And then one day my manager said that 70% of our sales at that McDonald's was in the drive through and there was just a light bulb that went off and I was like, oh, that seems significant. And so I went home, talked to my roommate, and we were like, what are drive throughs that don't make you smell really bad when you go home? And we landed on, there's a local brand in South Mississippi where I'm from called Java Mo's drive through Coffee. Uh, they were known for their culture and they made more money than I did, even as a upcoming manager at McDonald's. <laughs> uh, so I went over there with him and we uh, kind of learned the ins and outs of it. We enjoyed it. We decided that kind of what we wanted to do could definitely be done with a drive through coffee company. I moved up here after I got married to my wife because we decided that we should move to the place that we've been vacationing to because my parents lived here. I did a temp to perm job at a local logistics company that I won't name that did not enjoy a second <laughs> of. Um, and a couple months in, they were like, hey, we don't have the position that we promised you anymore. So Christmas is next week. Peace. Wow. Um, so I got let go, but then I say now that was probably one of the best things that's happened to me because seven months later, we opened Be Caffeinated. So I was at that crossroads of, am I going to be corporate Chris or startup Chris? And corporate Chris didn't like any of it. So I was like, all right, the decision's been made. Let's make the best of it. Hmm. And then my roommate at the time moved up here and became my business partner. 
That's so awesome, man. That sounds like a really cool trajectory to have that experience learning alongside other entrepreneurs for a while there and then helping to, you know, teach what entrepreneurship would look like. So you say that your startup, Chris, now, I love that. What do you think is the funnest aspect of being startup, Chris, at this point? Man, uh, I've been asking myself this question a lot recently because <laughs> I'm like, I feel too burned out to be enjoying this. Mm. Do I enjoy this? And and then I'm like, no, there are parts I enjoy. So I see kind of the networking side as a giant board game or like a video game. And there's just these people that need things and want things. And there's other people that need or want the opposite. And you can kind of connect them together and everyone wins and is happy. So that's what I really have a lot of fun with is going to these events, getting to know people, like linking up nonprofits with businesses and vice versa, working with local artists, musicians, and just kind of connecting all of those dots uh, to where everyone ends up stronger for it. That's the fun, the fun part. So, Chris, let me ask a couple questions if I can. Yeah. Um, for anybody that doesn't know, Be Caffeinated is a really good coffee spot that's here in Chattanooga. And you guys got Three, four four locations. So just if somebody was going to get started in your realm, what's one thing they could do? What's one thing that you did that brought people to BCAF? Sure, it's great coffee. But like if you don't have great coffee, keep your ass at home and don't open a coffee (laughs) shop, right? So like outside of having good coffee, what's one thing you do to bring people in the door? Yeah. So I actually answer this question a lot because we work with people that are starting new coffee shops. And uh, I read this book by Mickey Agrawal one time called Do Cool Shit. She opened a, a pizza shop in New York, which is very difficult. And they did not do a soft opening and everything went terribly. They were embarrassed. The theoretical workflow was completely wrong and they didn't know it. Um, and they had to close down for like a week or two and basically apologize to the neighborhood for how bad it went. Mm. So then she did a soft opening or and like every time she opened one after that. And like that was the big takeaway I got from that book was do a soft opening. So when we opened our first location in Red Bank, we had a two day soft opening where everything was free. We didn't charge anything. We had one size. We just did our signature drinks. And uh, we handed out over 600 cups of coffee in those two days. We closed the rest of the week. And then when we opened officially that Monday, we already had regular customers that like knew the order they wanted. They knew our menu and they were already excited to be there. So now when we open a new location, we still do a soft opening. It's not everything free because then all of our other customers would just go there. But we do usually like uh, buy one, get one half off or just 50% off or we have like a free add on. But um, that soft opening really lets you see where does the theory not actually connect to reality? Where are the mess ups and how can we make it better for when we want to do it? And customers are way nicer if you label it as a soft opening. I I love that. So what's an additional thing? And I can speak personally because last time I went through your drive through, it took a little longer than normal for some reason, whatever. But the lady, the young girl at the window gave me a coupon for, I think, a free coffee at the next visit. I didn't ask for that. I didn't expect that. I mean, it's just a line that went longer. So I remember thinking, 
Damn, that's cool. Okay. Like, it didn't even inconvenience me as much as it did her. So, like, the fact that you got people thinking about customer service, that's phenomenal. How do you get your crew, not only them bought in, but how do you brainstorm so outside the box? It's like, hey, Isaiah's been in line three minutes longer than he would. Maybe we need to give him something for that inconvenience. How do you come to that? I'd say it's multifaceted. I call it the upside down trickle down effect, uh, which is a lot of words to say that (laughs) most businesses focus on like the bottom line and making the most money and themselves first. And then the customers and employees are kind of the last thing to worry about. We focus on our employees first, making them happy, making them have a safe space and enjoy their work. And if they're happy, then they make the customers happy. If the customers are happy, the business is happy. And then us as the owners are happy. So um, that's our, our real focus and why we you know opened in the first place was to make a place that we would want to work at if we were our own employees. Um, and then from there, now that we're over four years in, when I'm interviewing people, our line is you can teach anyone to be a barista, but you can't teach them to be a good person. So we're not looking for experience. We're not looking for, oh, you make a really good cup of coffee. We're looking for the people that come in and say, like you just said, I had this amazing experience. They made me feel valued. I was crying and they gave me a free cake pop or coffee. They just made me feel special. And now I want to do that for other people. Like those are the people we hire because they do exactly what they did to you. And that becomes the focus. And so it's not just, can we make a good coffee quick? It's, can we make a good coffee and also have this person at the window feel like they're the only person that matters in that 60 second interaction? I love that. My coach has always told us, and we hire similarly, we can teach somebody how to look at an electrical panel or how to dig a foot or whatever it is. We can't teach them how to talk to people or how to be, you know, good people. So we look for those interpersonal skills. I love that. Um, we're going to move right on to multiple businesses. So Be Caffeinated has four spots in Chattanooga serving coffee and food. That's got to be difficult in itself. Then we got New Wave that is a coffee roaster. Morning Bee, which is a bakery basically right yep and then hive think which is coaching and business so you're involved with team members in multiples of those and we can talk about partnerships and stuff later what's the mission behind all this uh it's just making people happy man the world can suck a lot and there's a lot of bad stuff going on and if we can just make a space where people are happy and they feel like they matter they feel like they're seen and valued. Um, that's really the win. Um, so if you know, we don't necessarily care about coffee like a lot of people open coffee shops do. Now we are super passionate about it. <laughs> but I was a double chocolatey chip frappuccino guy from that Seattle-based <laughs> coffee company. Um, you know, and that wasn't me. But uh, we saw the potential for taking that cool. Uh, for lack of a better term, sexy job that is being a barista, making it a space for people that are typically overlooked or don't have a good instance. And we've become a springboard for either people that are in college or see this as a seasonal job. They come to us, they learn a lot of stuff and they go on to the next one. Or we've also become a career for a lot of people that either really care about coffee or they really care about community. Um, And that's been great to see just these people that have stepped up into these roles that didn't exist. And then they came into the space and they said, hey, I'm a barista or can be a barista, but this is really what I want to do. And we said, "Okay, well, let's make it happen. And that's actually how HiveThink came about 
was two guys that I hired, Nate and Dylan, as half marketing, half baristas. And we said, hey, how can we take this and help more people? So now we coach businesses on stuff. And part of if they pay us money, like you guys did, is uh, we do it for free for a nonprofit. Um, So it's kind of like the Tom's model where you buy it for yourself and then you give it to someone else that maybe can't afford it or uh, doesn't have the ability at the time. Chris, I wanted to... um I want to get real for a second with yeah. you. Man. I've been uh, real the whole time. What have you been doing? <laughs> I was with a group of friends and we were on uh, Main Street. Mm-hmm. And you can throw a rock and hit multiple coffee shops. Yeah, uh, it'll bounce a few times. Right. <laughs> so you've got a coffee shop in BCAF that is undoubtedly successful. Multiple locations, great people. Has the thought of like having to compete with other coffee shops since there are so many in Chattanooga. And let's be real, a lot of them are they're good. Yeah. Right. Good coffee wise. Yeah. Has that thought of like having to compete with this coffee shop or that coffee shop ever entered your mind or anyone's at BCAF? I mean, I'd be lying if I said no, but those thoughts you're not going to keep away. Mm -hmm. But what we do is we say, Hey, that's the wrong way of looking at it. And we lead with a abundance mindset rather than a scarcity mindset. There's like what? 300,000 plus people in Chattanooga. Right. I can't serve all of them coffee. That's unrealistic. It's untenable. Um, and I don't want to. And what I love the concept of is, um, have y'all heard of penny universities like way back in the day in, in like England, So coffee shops were called penny universities and it's because you could go there and it was just this exchanging of information and ideas and you'd have the coffee shop down there and they were talking about like philosophy. You'd have the one down there talking about mathematics. You'd have the one down there talking about sports or whatever. And you went to each one for whatever you wanted to do at the time. And that's how I see the coffee scene in Chattanooga is like there's so many great cups. So you're not necessarily going for the coffee. You're going for what else they provide. So mm. Sleepyhead has their aesthetic. There's a safe space for a certain demographic. You've got Velo, who's obviously on the bike side. So if you like bikes, you like Velo. And they're also on that like kind of premium side of coffee. You've got Goodman's, who's that neighborhood community feel. You've got us, who's the kind of similar thing, but like throw in the drive through. So each one has their own dynamic. And I don't think it's a good mentality to say they're competition. I just say they're just filling in space in the same sector. How can we work together and make sure that we all rise together instead of trying to fight each other out? Now, I will say when Dutch Bros announced they were coming to town, I did start sweating a little <laughs> um, because we kind of look up to them and that's kind of the direction we're trying to head maybe. But they've been open as long as I've been alive. Literally, they opened their first one in 1994. So they've got a little bit of a head start on us. But when we have those conversations, we just look at ourselves in the mirror and say, just do better than you did yesterday. Focus on your own stuff and what matters to you. And then the people that agree will come. And if they don't, then you shouldn't be open anyways. I love that response. That's good. That's awesome. And the willingness to commendate other coffee shops at where they succeed is, I mean, that's real. So thank you for that. And they're great. I mean, I go to all of them. (laughs) (laughs) So Chris, Within your entire organization, do you move people around from one to the other? Yes. Do you clearly, uh, so in our organization, and maybe it's a failure on our part, we're not sure we've had good and bad experiences, but our goal is 
to create opportunity that's just beyond what we know and create a position that, well, quite frankly, that can create somebody to make more money, right? Mm -hmm. Because although culture and all that stuff is great, People need money, and that's kind of really their ultimate motivator. So do you, with inside of your uh, entire organization, do you make it clear like, hey, we're going to have a head coffee roaster, a head marketer, a head um, baker, a, a front office person, whatever. Do you make that clear to the organization that says, we got this position open, so whoever wants it is available? Uh, we kind of do it the opposite. Okay. Uh, and I think it's similar to what y'all do based on our conversation. Uh, but we are more partial to finding what makes those people kind of like passionate and excited. And then we say, how can we fit that into what we already have going on? So like Nate is, uh, we started Hive Think with him and Dylan. The three of us are owners, uh, but he's also the marketing manager for Be Caffeinated. And that's what excites him. And he's passionate about. Um, we have... Michael, who started off as a barista, then became a manager of one of our shops. And then he was like, by the way, I didn't tell you this because I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it for you or not. But I'm also really good at graphic design and videography and photography and all this other stuff. I'm like, well, thanks for telling us now. But then when we found that out, he started doing design work. And then we took him out of the decaffeinated world. And now he is the Hive Think employee. And he does all of that, like jack of all trades stuff there. Um, we have someone that we hired as a, a we, we tried to hire him as a barista for our North Shore location. He said, no, I want to be a manager. And we said, okay, yeah, we want you to be a manager. And then he said, the only way I'll do it is if you let me have a nonprofit give back component. And we're like, cool, we want to do that anyways. But now you get to take this on as your own thing and turn it into something that you're excited about. So just finding what these people are passionate about and then saying, how can we bring value to the business? Because the money needs to make sense, but also... How can we make you excited? Because then they're better workers, they're happier, and then they kind of spread that happiness both to their own coworkers, to the customers, et cetera. But that takes cash. Mm-hmm. How do you budget that? Well, the easy way is if what they like to do also brings in cash. So like if you can add a service that or a product that they can do or add on, but that's the easy answer. The hard answer is you start off with a conversation and we're both on the same page and you say, hey, this is your goal. Here's the reality of it is that I have to pay my bills. How can we make this work and like work towards that goal? So like with Nate and Dylan, it didn't start off as, hey, let's do Hive Think. It started off as I'm the marketing guy. That's why it's not getting done well. I need someone to help me. He reached out to me on Facebook and said, hey, I have marketing experience and I have coffee experience. And I said, all right, let's do it. And so then they started off as half marketing, half baristas, and then... As we went, Nate became no barista, all marketing. Um, But it wasn't what I started as. It was what we built into. And he just kind of built his job out and became in charge of social media, all of our guerrilla marketing. He rides on our electric bike and hands out coffee for free. He goes to events. He's in charge of like our partnerships and collaborations. So it went from like the low hanging MVP, like minimum viable product of it to building out what could happen with it. So I think it's important, the time that we live in now where a lot of people think that things are given to them, you seem like a really giving back philanthropical dude, but you said it yourself, like, we got to be able to make money. We got to be able to pay bills. So if you are passionate about, uh, you know, 
carpet or whatever it is, like you got to be realistic where if you want to follow your passion, great, let's get there, but we got to be able to pay the bills. So um, after all of this stuff you got going on, what's next? What's yeah. on your mind? So we're working on our fifth location for Becaffeinated. It's our first one that we'll own and we're building. Own like the real estate? Yep. Okay. We, we own the lands. So we're building the building with Modus Build Group. And we kind of started a separate LLC that we're partnering with them on um, to kind of take over that. And it'll be in Rossville, Georgia. So we'll technically be a chain, which is weird. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Congratulations. Uh, but yeah, so it'll be kind of a combination of our three drive throughs so It'll be smaller than our North Shore, but it'll have seating like it. It'll have two drive throughs You order at one, pick up at the other, patio seating, but you can go inside as well. So that's next on Be Caffeinated. On the New Wave side, we're looking to... Uh, eventually move it out of our North Shore location into its own facility. Um, and then on the Hive Think side, we have some really exciting things that we're working on that is probably too early to say right now, so I'm not going to. But we can talk about it after this off of the mic. <laughs> uh, and then Morning B, uh, we launched Bagels, which was huge. We did that about, I guess, two and a half, three months ago. But you, just to be clear, you didn't bring us any bagels this morning. So. I did not because I thought it was at 930. <laughs> I was lollygagging. I was like, oh, I'm getting gas. I'm going to pick up a coffee for Isaiah, the half sweet mocha, it's which it, I guess that's you right had there. it anyways. But um, yeah, that's yeah. I, I it's, all, it's all good. <laughs> so, man. My fascination with BCAF is it's there and I think it really stems because you've just got such a quality team and it's pretty well known in the community how willing BCAF is to support different initiatives, support people that are in the nonprofit space. But like Malcolm was saying, you know, that money has to come from somewhere. Mm -hmm. On the flip side of that, it seems like every time I'm in the, you know, the North Chat location shop, there is a lot of people there. <laughs> and not only that, but there's like a lot of people in the drive through every time I'm there. Yep. Would you say that the community is more willing to buy from you guys because they know the investment that you're going to put back into Chattanooga? I think that's definitely a component to it. We had a guy named Jeff Coffey on our podcast, Startup Heroes, and he was talking about they do like fishing flies and lures, but they hire uh, women overseas that are survivors of like sexual abuse and trauma and stuff like that. It's an amazing business and model. And when they were starting out and trying to price, they were doing all these focus studies and stuff. And they found out that people are only willing to pay an extra 10% for story. Um, whether that's like what they're doing or anything like mm. that. Yeah, it's not that much, but people are willing to pay 30% for innovation and efficiency and stuff like that. So they decided they're going to do a 40% up, Whoa. but have 10% be the story and 30% be the innovation. So they invented new ways to make their flies and lures that are like a third of the time to make them and way more efficient. And the technology is just better. So they became better so that they could also support the story. So that's wow. where we're at. We okay. like people are willing to pay more and go out of their way to support what we're doing, but they're not willing to do that if it's bad. And if it's like, <laughs> you know, we always say like, you know, you, you can serve someone a bad coffee and if you're really nice to them, they'll give you another chance. But there's only so many chances that people are willing to give you. So like we don't have the luxury of just relying on whatever our philanthropic idea is at the moment. So 
Uh, we focus on doing both. And there was a point where we were trying to be the fastest and cheapest and highest quality. Um, and that is not, that's <laughs> In the same not terms. real. Yeah. It's not real. And so it's like a, it's like a triangle and you can only choose two. And so we said, we don't want to be less high quality. We don't want to take longer and we don't want to be the cheapest. So we're like, all right, we're going to be more expensive just on par with Starbucks or whatever. We're going to be really fast. We're going to be really high quality and we're going to serve the people in the community that we care about. And so people feel good about buying from us because they know where it's going. Unlike our bagels are the bagel of change and a portion of those go to be the change youth initiative. So every time you buy a bagel from us, you're literally paying money to a nonprofit that is literally advocating for mental health for students in Chattanooga, a food security initiative that is going to those families. So you feel really good as you're chomping down on the bagel and schmear um, and same with the coffees. Nice. That's awesome. I love it. Uh, Chris. One of our big things is we talk about failure. Mm -hmm. Failure is important, I think, because there's not a lot of podcasts that talk about uh, the bad stuff when you set forth to entrepreneurialism. But can you recall a significant failure in your past that you would share with us and what you've learned from that going forward? Yeah. When I was in college, I had a basically full ride. It was called the university scholarship. It was the one right below a full ride. It was like, we think you're really cool, but not that cool. <laughs> um, and so I had that. It was great. And after my second year, I had gotten a C in one too many classes. And I got a letter that was like, hey, you don't get your scholarship anymore. And I thought my world was over. Like the blood drained down to my face. I was like, oh my gosh. And my parents being the awesome people they are said, this is a learning opportunity. So they came up to me with a contract, a bona fide in-paper contract. And it said, we are willing to finance the rest of your education, even though you sucked and lost your scholarship. But here are the requirements. So A, you have to get a job. You have to pay us this amount of money by this date in order to make this contract uh, like verified. And you're not allowed to get below this grade for the entire rest of your college career. Otherwise, you don't get it anymore. So it's basically like a scholarship for my parents. So uh, that summer, I got a job at Rembrandt's here. And I also worked at Avis Budget Rental Cars. And then I got a job when I moved back to college at this place called Action Party Rentals that was like one of those blow up places. And that job was me army crawling in the bottom of blow ups in the middle of Mississippi heat with a rag and a bucket, just like wiping out all of the moisture because otherwise it would grow mold. So if, when I tell you I learned character in those eight months, <laughs> I learned character and I learned how much a dollar is actually worth because I was making, you know, seven twenty five an hour army crawling for moisture. Um, and so I made the money. I paid it to them. I didn't get to see a single cent of that because it was a lot of money that they that they wanted, but they wanted me to prove I was serious. And I never got better grades than those. I got into grad school, got a full ride there. But it was just a great learning experience because before that, I was like, ah, I'm pretty smart. Like, I get good grades. And then the college was like, yeah, but they're not good enough, you know. Um, and then for my parents to not just say, hey, we've got your back, but to say, like, you need to learn from this. You need to prove that you actually care about your own education. And for them to not just give me a handout, but say, like, you have to pay us money. You have to do these things and you still have to maintain these grades. Um, super grateful for that to this day. And I think it really set me up for being a successful entrepreneur now. 
kind of sounds like the, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the greatest learning experience about that would be to look in on what your parents did and, <laughs> and offer an opportunity to a good person when they're down in life. So uh, I'm taking that away. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, Isaiah, you said, I've got a great team. That's not on accident. Uh, we uh, are way too built out for how small we are, but we're building out this really big foundation so that when we keep growing up, we already have them in place. And it means that I don't walk away with very much money at the end of the year, but I'm intentionally investing that in these people so that I can keep them around. When you find the people that are awesome and worthwhile, you do everything you can to keep them. Because if you don't, then you just get these lukewarm people that couldn't care less what you're doing and what you're fighting for. I think that that really tees up another question that's really integral to this podcast, which is taking us back to square one, man. Um, looking at younger Chris before he got all the way to where he is now. Very specifically, Chris at Javamos is yeah. where I want to take you back to. Yeah. Man, what would I tell Java Mose, Chris? Uh, I would say don't be bummed out that you have a master's degree and you're working barely above minimum wage because that doesn't matter because... It's a hard one to get over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you're building up to something that you actually want to do. And I think what's really been uh, becoming apparent right now in this climate is that what especially my generation was told growing up of what success looks like isn't real. And a lot of it was just paid for marketing by the people that benefit from that. Like I think college is super valuable for specific types of people. Um, and there are careers that you have to have a degree for legally, but there are so many opportunities that there's other ways to be successful. And there's so many students that just think the only way they can be worth something is if they go and get that secondary degree. And that's just not true. And we have all of these trade jobs that are kind of just falling to the wayside because the boomer generation is either retiring or going out of commission. And there's just no one there to pick up that uh, mantle. And so there's all of these opportunities and places like Chat State see this and they're building out these trade programs that are targeting that. Uh, there's a ton of great people in Mississippi that are specifically focusing on apprenticeship programs and trade programs. So um, that was a really roundabout way to say success that you've been told isn't real and success is what you kind of make it to be and finding your why and like honing that and just making all of your decisions to perpetuate that why finding people that have similar whys, building up that tribe and just being that community that pushes towards the end goal. That's awesome, man. And I'm going to have to steal a question from <laughs> your podcast, yeah. Startup Heroes. What is Be Caffeinated to you? And then what is Be Caffeinated to the community? To me, I'm trying to prove that business can be done differently. And not only that it can be done differently, but that it can be better. And like you don't have to stay awake at night questioning your decisions and feel guilty because you put your own bottom line above the needs of your people. And in fact, you can focus on your people, make them happy. And that actually is a direct positive on your bottom line and on your ROIs and everything because they're happier and are more efficient and do better instead of just waking up and dreading going to work. 
Um, so I'm trying to prove that you can do things better and make the community stronger instead of just sucking everything out of it like so many capitalistic corporations do. Um, for the community, I hope that Becaffeinated is a safe space. I hope that they see that we're not concerned about religion or orientations or anything like that. We're just concerned about being people being happy and that no matter what end of the spectrum on anything you fall on, other than like wanting to kill people or something, I don't know, like things that just aren't generally Whoa. accepted, uh, that we're, that we're, we're there to be like a, a safe space for them and that we're there to prop up nonprofits and other small businesses and musicians and artists and, make Chattanooga and Red Bank just better and more community focused and uh, that we're there to to help and make people smile. Love it. I love it too, man. <laughs> yeah. You even have me uh, writing down like, what foundation should we give back to? So uh, that's great, man. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Square One Podcast, a podcast brought to you by Omni Home Services, where we rep Chattanooga Home Inspector, Nuclear Pest Control, Elevate Home Staging and Design, and Radon Eraser. We release a new episode each week, so be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts so that you never miss an episode.